the Lord's Prayer, the scripture that we find there in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, uh, and so forth. That scripture, the Lord's Prayer, is not only a template for how to pray, but a, a way to do life. Okay? So I want you to hear that with me. Jesus is not only teaching us how to pray here, but he's also teaching us the way that we are to order our lives, the way that we do life. We've, we've been saying that for quite some time. Just want to remind you of that. Secondly, prayer is about fellowship with God, hearing from God, and God hearing us. So this communion that we have with him. Some people say, well, how do you hear from God? And I want you to understand that I'm not talking about hearing audibly. Many of us, most of us, including me, don't hear God audibly. If you do, praise the Lord. Bless you. Don't tell us we don't want to hear about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You know, uh, it, it's good to hear the Lord. And it's wonderful to hear those manifestations. You know, it's really, it really is a powerful thing. But the reality is most of the times God doesn't speak to us audibly like that. We may hear God through using other people. We may hear God through uh, uh, reading the scripture. We may hear God just internally. We sense this voice. We sense like, whoa, something just really hit us, spoke to us. And so all of those means are good. Anytime God speaks and we listen, it's really good, no matter how he does it. Are you with me? So uh, it's about hearing and learning to hear from him and learning, to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, learning what he has to say. And, and prayer is not about the right words. It's about the right heart, right? We've said that. It's not about the right words. It's about the right heart. So, so far, as we dove into this uh, portion of Scripture, in regards to how to pray, which, again, is simultaneous with the way we are to called to live life, we've learned the following things. Number one, God wants us to call him Father and to know him that way. Secondly, he wants us to understand that he's above everything. We can trust his wisdom. He sees things clearly. Third, he's worthy of worship. He is God, we are not, and we should honor and worship him as the Lord. Fourth, before we pray for anything, we should pray for God's will and his kingdom. It is important because as we do that, it makes... It helps us have guardrails to make sure that we don't go the wrong way. We don't pray things that are not according to his will. And then the fifth thing we've learned is that God is a good provider. He provides daily what we need, even when it seems like there's a lack, right? Anybody ever felt like, you know, you, got, you wanted God to do things a certain way, but he did it another way, and later found out God was right, right? He's good, and we have to learn to trust what he provides, whether it comes to peace, patience, all those things, and what we have materially speaking. And so, now let's pick up the verses where we've left off, and let us tackle this issue of forgiveness. Today we're going to dive and talk about one of the most simple topics in the Bible, yet one of the most excruciatingly difficult portion of Scripture when it comes to understanding forgiveness. What is biblical forgiveness? Matthew chapter 5, 7 on down reads this way. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father who knows what you need before you, uh, he knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins or our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass, who sin, who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow, huh? Thank you, Lord, for the scripture. Would you teach us what this means, what it means biblical forgiveness looks like? And Lord, there's a lot of us who need healing here. And uh, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to bring freedom and liberty and wisdom in this area. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. I want to share with you the different meanings that are tied up to the word forgiveness or forgive. When you do the word study there, you'll find out that forgiveness means to release or to let go. It also means to remit. In other words, to cancel. To cancel whatever debt. It also means to yield one's will. So I yield my desire for this to happen. Again, it means to let go. To forgive. Now, Along with seeing forgiveness defined and tied to these different meanings and these different words, these are certain things that we need to see scripturally about forgiveness. Number one, it is is one of the only points in the prayer that Jesus reemphasizes. Notice that Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And he goes, deliver us from, from evil. And then at the end of the prayer, he says, because I want you to know this, by the way. So this is very important. And I believe the reason why Jesus reemphasized this is because he knew that we would have a problem with this issue of forgiveness. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. Secondly, we ought to extend forgiveness the same way, according to the scripture, we see that we ought to extend forgiveness the same way we want God to extend his forgiveness toward us. It's clearly, here the scripture says, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. If I keep in mind that I want God's total forgiveness, I'm going to forgive others, right, in a total way. Now, what does that look like biblically? And according to the scripture, we notice something very clearly, not only in the scripture, but throughout the the New Testament, is that this principle of forgiveness is consistent throughout all of the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 13 Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has to complain against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Ephesians chapter 4, 30 on down. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Okay? So here you see the example that forgiveness, we're supposed to forgive, and our example of forgiveness is the way that God has forgiven us. Now I want to clarify this. I believe that in order for us to forgive, we have to first receive forgiveness. Right? God forgives us, and we're welcomed into this family, and it feels so great. It's like, man, I'm forgiven. My sins are forgiven. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm crying, and the boogers are coming out, and I don't care. 
it's good. And God just lets you enjoy that. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Now I want you to give that forgiveness to them. And they were like, oh, God, that's, things were going really well until you said that. <laughs> right? And so God, first we receive the forgiveness of God. Then that forgiveness of God enables us to see that we need to forgive others. And then we enter into this covenant relationship where God holds us accountable to forgive others. Now, this forgiveness issue can get really complicated because obviously we have lives that have been riddled with all kinds of offenses. We've been through so much. So how do we deal with forgiveness? What does it look like biblically to be a person who walks in forgiveness? This has been misunderstood. Sometimes it's been mistaught. And I want to walk with this very graciously because I understand that all of us have been affected by the issue of forgiveness, right? All of us. Number one, Here's something that we have to understand about forgiveness. We have to understand offense. And this is something that you and I have to accept about offense. We have to admit that we are capable of being offended and that we are capable of being offensive. Can I get a witness? Number one thing we have to understand is, number one, we can be offended. No one here... It's at a place where they can say, I can never be offended by anyone at any given time. It's just, all right? It's not human. Yet at the same time, you have to be willing to admit with the same tenacity, I can be offensive. Maybe some of us need to admit, I have been offensive. Maybe just two or three of us. We have to be willing to admit that reality. Now listen, there's a great book that has been written by John Bevere that deals with offenses, and it's called The Bait of Satan. And I picked up the book because it had an incredible cover and the title, I mean the title, The Bait of Satan. I was like, dude, I got to read this book. This is cool, The Bait of Satan. I got I to find out what that is. And then he started to talk about how it, it's about unforgiveness and offenses. And in my mind, I was like, man, I got this. I'm so good. I'm pretty sure that on a scale from 1 to 10, I'm like an 8.99 or a 9.88 between there. But I'm doing super good, right? It's just something I don't have an issue with. Then I started reading the first chapter, and it was like, uh-oh, I got a problem. <laughs> I was more deeply connected with my humanity, and I realized I can be offensive and I can be offended. Listen. This is the reality. In one hand, if we cannot admit that we are capable of being offended, we are going to ignore the offenses that we have suffered. And the scary thing is that many of us have bought into the lie that ignoring offenses is the godly thing to do, when in reality it is one of the most divisive, unhealthy, and dangerous decisions that a believer can make. Are you with me? If I walk around thinking, well, I cannot be offended, what happens is I'm going to get offended, and because I have in my mind that being offensive is immature, I'm going to ignore that offense, and I'm just going to walk away. Well, I know so-and-so did this, but I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm just going to keep walking even though it hurt me. I'm going to act like it's not there. Because in our minds we believe this lie, that being offended is being immature. That is a lie. Being offended is not being immature Being offended is being human. Are you with me? Being offended is being human. And the way to deal with that is to acknowledge, oh yeah, that was offensive. And a peacemaker 
The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A peacemaker, because he wants to have a good relationship with his brother or sister or whoever it may be, he will address that. Hey, this really hurt me. That was offensive. Can we, can we talk about this? In order for true peace, right? But the reality is that most of us are not good at peacemaking. Because we've accepted this reality that being offended is immaturity. And boy, I can admit that I was offended because that would make me look immature. Are you with me? But then what happens is the offenses keep piling up. And when the offenses keep piling up, I'll, I'll promise you this is what's going to happen. You're going to become bitter. You're not going to be able to trust others. You're not going to be able to trust the people that God put around you so that you can grow in Christ. And this is a root of where gossip comes from. Because we may not deal with the offense with this person, but we'll go to somebody and say, well, you know what, this person did this, but I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden it gets bad. Now, I'm just, I'm t- I know that you've never dealt with this kind of thing. Are you with? It is super dangerous to think that we cannot be touched by offense. It is unhealthy. It is unhealthy. It is dangerous. It, it, it can destroy our walk with God. Do you understand this? God did not call us to ignore the fact that someone has hurt us or caused us pain in some way or another. He wants us to be peacemakers, and that means beginning with realizing that we have been offended. We have been hurt. We have been wounded. I have to be mature enough to admit that I am hurting so that I can be mended. I have to be mature enough to admit that I have been offended so that there can be true reconciliation. I have to be mature enough to admit that I have been wounded so that I can be healed. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Nobody goes to the doctor unless they admit that there's something wrong. Now, if I decided to deny or ignore offenses, then think about all of the ways offenses can affect my life. On the other hand, if I cannot admit that I am offensive, that's a problem. Are you with me? If I cannot admit that I have the capability of being offensive, that can be a problem. Listen, if we have this attitude of arrival, if we think that we've arrived at this place in our walk with Jesus, that there is no possible way that I can be offensive to anyone, then I am completely disconnected from the reality. And what that will lead me to think is this. Every time is that I will think this, is that if someone is offended, it is their problem. It has nothing to do with me. When in fact it may have everything to do with me. Or at the very least it may be a misunderstanding. But even misunderstandings need to be addressed. Are you with me? You know this whole attitude. Well I'm a believer in Christ. I don't know why they're offended. They shouldn't be offended. That has nothing to do with me. They got to deal with that. That's not the heart of God. That's not the heart of God. This whole attitude of, I'm, I'm above that. You know, it's, just, it's, it's not biblical. This is not the way Jesus wants us to deal with the body. This is not bearing with one another. People who refuse to admit that they can be offensive typically never stick around in a church long enough to have roots. You heard that, Israel? That was, that was a tough one. <laughs> They never stick around in the church long enough to have roots. Why? Because they can never admit the reality that they're at fault for anything. 
And you can't have fellowship with people when you can admit that you were at fault for something. And one day, one moment, if you have a good relationship, you're going to make a mistake. Because you're human. People who cannot admit that they can be offensive continuously walk away from good relationships instead of seeking reconciliation. And so their lives, year after year, are filled with broken relationships. And the, the, the crazy thing is that even though they hop from church, oh, listen, have mercy, from church to church, relationship to relationship, over and over and over again, they'll look at you and say, I don't know why these people have so much against me. It's almost as if we're blinded to the reality that the common denominator is us. Acknowledging that we can be offensive is not a sign of insensitivity. It is a sign of being human. I want friends who can admit that they make mistakes and that they can be at fault. Because I can trust friends who can say, you know what, I made a mistake. Can you forgive me? Listen, that's, that's, why, that's why I'm, I'm I, I want you to get this freedom. Just get this freedom. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall short. And that's okay. But the best friends are those who are able to admit, man, I made a, I made a mistake. Can we reconcile here? This is why I'm a friend with, of Larry. He's so offensive. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I love you, brother. Love covers a multitude of sin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just kidding. Listen, it's, it's just the reality of life. We have, to, we have to not take ourselves so seriously to be able to admit, I dropped the ball. I'm not even talking about the implications in a marriage and how an inability to see how we can be both offended and offensive can destroy a marriage. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Something else we need to know about forgiveness. Forgiving is not forgetting. Okay, I want you to listen. Forgiving is not forgetting. I've heard it preached so many times. Oh, if you truly forgive, you will forget. I don't forget anything. You know, it's like, I, I remember the most ridiculous things in life. 4800280656. That was my high school ID number. Can somebody deliver that out of my mind? Somebody tell me how to break that code. Are you with me? I don't, how is it that I, I don't forget stupid things? You know, how am I going to forget major things that impacted my soul? I want you to know that true forgiveness is not marked by some miraculous forgetting where you don't remember the offense that you've suffered. That is impossible. Someone will say, well, the Bible says that God forgives and forgets, and he throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins from his face. He doesn't remember it. The only problem is that we're not God. We are not God. And we'll never be God. Are you with me? Now, here's something else. I even used to define forgiveness and remembering without... I I used to define forgiveness as remembering without the feeling. I would say, well, forgiveness... uh, Now, don't check me out now. I used to say, well, forgiveness is being able to remember without having the feelings attached. I'll tell you, that's wrong too in some ways. 
We've been, we teach that, you know, when you really forgive someone, you remember the event because you never forget it, but you don't have the feelings attached. But I'm going to tell you that at first that's wrong too because forgiveness is an act of obedience to God's word. Are you with me? And so sometimes God calls, sometimes, that's, I'm just going to, in parentheses, sometimes God calls us to do difficult things we don't want to do. Things that our feelings don't feel like doing, right? And God calls us to forgiveness, and that's a decision of faith when we're still hurting that we make when we don't feel like doing it. God, I, for, God, I forgive Larry because your word. <laughs> Are you with me? It, I'm just using Larry as an example, you know. But it's going to keep coming, brother. Don't, don't think I'm going to go to someone else. No. <laughs> Listen, you know what I mean? Sometimes we realize that we need to forgive and all that pain and suffering is there. And there are some serious offenses that we've been through in life. They hurt. They affect us. God is not, God is not saying, see, you, look at those feelings. You're not saved. You're not going to heaven. Mm-mm. That's not what he's saying. Instead, he's saying in the midst of those feelings, my son, my daughter, can you trust me? Would you forgive as I've forgiven? And then as we, by faith, with, the, with all the suffering and the pain and with the weeping and the tears, we come to God and say, God, I want to forgive. I forgive. I, I give this to you. And then the healing process. And eventually, I believe there are some of us who have been marked by, I remember, but you know what? I don't remember that pain anymore. I've been healed, you know? But let me tell you something. Forgiveness is simply obeying the word of God and releasing it before God. Are you with me? And letting him be the healer of our emotions. Can I say that today? Are you with me today? Therefore, forgiveness is a conscious decision to release someone. Release. Forgiveness is a conscious decision to release someone from any expectation of that person having to pay us for the sins they committed against us. Forgiveness is choosing against our feelings. Forgiveness is choosing against our feelings and yielding our will to the will of God. Forgiveness is checking our hearts before God and choosing to trust Him to heal the hurt that has been caused by the offense that we have suffered. Forgiveness, by the way, is not leaving ourselves open to be assaulted again. Just because I forgive someone doesn't mean that I don't have healthy, uh, doesn't mean that I throw away healthy emotional boundaries. You know, there are times where we say, I forgive you, but I'm not welcoming you into this place because you haven't gained my trust for me to welcome you into that place. Uh, I think this is very godly. The Bible in Psalm 34, for example, says, who is those that God entrusts his secrets to? Those who are holy, those who raise their hands to no other. Right? So there's an example that in the covenant relationship, some are near and some are far. And listen, when offenses are committed, there are some people you don't want to bring near again. Can I get a witness? You're not judging them. You're not expecting them to pay, but you have healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries so that you don't suffer the assault again. Remember, just because we're hurting doesn't mean that we have not forgiven. We're just in the process of healing. Just because we can't forget doesn't mean that we're not forgiving. It just means that we're human. Now, in light of all that, I want you to know this. 
our judgment may be right. Maybe somebody has offended us and they've offended us deeply and our judgment may be right. But our God is righteous. Our judgment may be right of what we suffered. But as we deal with forgiveness, we've got to remember that He is even more righteous and He is even stronger in justice. The Bible gives us a parable find in Matthew chapter 18, and I'm just going to paraphrase it here for the sake of time. But there was a man who owed so much money to the king that he couldn't pay it even if he was in prison all his life, right? And he begged the king and said, King, please, I will pay every penny. And the king was moved with compassion. King knew, man, there's no way this man can pay it. And he was moved with compassion, and he released him of his debt. And then this man goes out, and as he goes out, he finds... An individual that owes him some money. And some scholars would say, owed him a third of a year's wage. That's significant. But even a third of the year's wage was not even close to what he has just been forgiven of. And the Bible says that this man uh, that had been forgiven took this other man that owed him something and he threw that man in jail and said, you're not, basically, he needs to be in there until he pays me everything he owes me. The king heard about this. And the king said, you you wicked servant. How can you not forgive them in light of what I've forgiven you? And he threw him in, into prison until he paid the last penny, which means he never got out. He never got out because he couldn't have paid what he owed. Now, here's the deal. What Jesus is saying to us is this. And that there's a reason why I'm actually physically coming up here. Jesus is saying, look, I know your pastor Carlos just offended you. I know. I know. But I want you to look up here. And I want you to focus on the fact that I've forgiven you. And I want you to focus on the fact that I've totally forgiven you. I've forgiven you so much that you're not even, you're not even tied to your sin anymore. You're brand new. Focus on that. Lavish on my forgiveness, on my goodness. Lavish on the fact that I've forgiven you the greatness of your sin that you're even blind to. You don't even know how badly you've offended me. But I've forgiven you of it. Now go and forgive. Now go and forgive. So what happened here is that this guy saw the sin of his brother or the sin of of, of that servant, but he didn't take, he didn't keep in mind the fact that Jesus had forgiven him of so much. And listen, if you think our sins are like this to us, to God, (laughs) it cost the life of his son. Just remember that. As we're forgiving others, remember that you have been totally forgiven and that God calls you into a covenant relationship to forgive. Now, I'm going to close with this. The only person, I want you to notice, just as we talked about this parable, this man was put in prison for the rest of his life. Listen, the only person who becomes a prisoner of my unforgiveness is me. The only person that becomes a prisoner to unforgiveness, to my unforgiveness is me. In other words, if I choose to not forgive, it's going to affect me more than the person who's offended me. Because I'm going to come to church and I'm going to want to get my worship on. Lord, I praise you in the sanctuary. I'm going to be singing my songs, and the Lord, yeah, praise me. Okay, go forgive. Oh. God's going to bring it to mind. 
right? And, and that's going to be dealing with me. And if I don't give my, vo- my, my, my heart over to the work of the Holy Spirit to heal and to lead me to forgive, then I'm just going to become even more embittered, more embittered, more embittered. Be, have you ever known anyone who just hasn't been able to forgive? They, they just don't have people around them. They live isolated lives. Nobody trusts them. It's like every time you get around them, it's like they're barking. Err, be careful what you say. Right? They're bitter. They're angry. Right? And, you know, I believe this strongly. Nothing like unforgiveness can affect the spiritual life of a man, the relational life of a man, the physical life of a man and woman. Right? The only person. You will be paying the price for unforgiveness. So forgiving others is actually a blessing to you. Because the problem is that when we don't forgive, we think we're holding that person captive until they pay. The only captive person is us. Why do that to ourselves? Would you stand with me this morning? Amen. Brother Dave, would you help me with this? I want you to hear me in this. Forgiving is difficult. And I am sorry if we've ever communicated anything differently. You know, I hear, I hear sometimes we, you know, people say things like, I don't understand why you don't want to forgive. Why don't you just forgive? Duh, it's there in the Bible. No, it is difficult. It is difficult. But the greatest freedom in your life will be found when you're willing to forgive and let go. You're really willing to forgive and let go. Again, again, that's trusting God with it. Say, Lord, teach me to walk this forgiveness out. Listen, there are areas in my life, certain offenses that have happened to me that they were super grievous. You know why? Because I'm human. And I live with human people, right? And uh, there are things that I've I've asked for forgiveness for and, 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 and I've released others from the offenses that they've committed against me. And there are still things that God is healing in me. You know? Uh, there are some places where I was so deeply wounded that God is healing in me. And there are some things God just brought out. And just, I'm so healed, I can talk about it. And I don't have the emotional pain tied to that. Right? But there are some things that God is still in the process of healing me through. That doesn't make me any less Christian or any less saved. It just means that I am in the hands of my master who's healing me as I choose to walk in obedience. Are you with me? Let's pray. Larry, I have nothing against you, brother. Except for that one thing. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, we are thankful. Number one, that you have forgiven us completely. Some of us here need to hear and receive that that you're saying I want to forgive you completely that you're saying (laughs) you think that there's things that I would never forgive but those are the very things I want you to get rid of so that we can finally walk in communion and intimacy like you've never known Lord and we thank you for this invitation that you're a forgiving a forgiving God Lord I thank you I thank you for this. 
And Lord, I pray that we would not only receive your forgiveness today, but that we would take the steps of faith to come before you in our secret time in prayer before you and say, Lord, I release this person. I release this offense. I give it to you. I don't want to be a prisoner anymore. I want to be free from this. I don't want my heart to be in turmoil. I'm the one that's suffering from this. Lord, I thank you for the faith to take steps of faith and be healed here. Hallelujah. Okay, so maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I have a hard time receiving that God has forgiven me completely. I want you to hear something. The Bible says that if we repent of our sins and turn to Him in repentance and ask Him to forgive us of our sins, that He will. And when we question, we want you, I want you to know something. God is faithful. He is merciful. He will. And there will be no greater joy in my life. I would rejoice with you if today would be the day where you say, Pastor, I finally receive and believe that. I believe that God has forgiven me. Uh, and I want to receive it this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all those hands raised right now, God. I thank you that they would receive the extent of your forgiveness, that those who repent of their sins and turn to you are forgiven. I thank you, God, today for cleansing their minds of the condemnation of the devil. Cleanse them, God, that they would know that you love them, that you care for them. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I realize that I haven't been really good relationally. I've either been offensive and unwilling to admit it, or I have been offended and I haven't been about making peace and seeking reconciliation. Would you pray for me? I don't want to bail out of relationships anymore. I, I, want, I want to be a person who, who admits my frailty and, and builds roots and has good relationships. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Right where you're at. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Lord, we, we live in a displaced community, society where we can just check out and walk somewhere else and get whatever we want. And there is absolutely no commitment to anything anymore. But we are your church. And we're committed to you and to your people. We don't want to be uh, walking around, uh, Father God, ignoring the reality of humanity. We want to grow roots. We want to admit our mistakes. We want to seek reconciliation. We want to have good relationships. And we want to leave a legacy to our children of continuing with good relationships and seeking peace, God. Not a dysfunctional church that can admit offenses or admit that we've been offensive, Lord God. Please heal us, God. Heal your church. That there will be true unity, Father God, instead of the falsehood and the gossip and the hypocrisy, God. Heal us, God. We want to build roots. We want to grow roots, Lord God. We want to be healthy, God, for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, do that in us. No more running. We want to be planted. We want to be planted. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I realize today there are some offenses i got to deal with. I've been wounded. I've been grieved in certain areas. And I want to trust God. I'm not saying that I feel perfect about this. But I am ready to obey the Lord and give this to the Lord. If that's you right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Right where you're at. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will release a power and an anointing right now in their lives. 
Thank you for the healing. As they raised their hands, your Holy Spirit begin with a scalpel to take away the cancer of bitterness and the lie of the enemy that's been planted in their hearts. Even right now, as they raise their hands, they have signed the waiver to say, Holy Spirit, I trust your work, your surgical work in me. And I thank you, Jesus, for completing that work. I thank you for bringing healing, God, so that those things, those offenses, will not define their lives. Thank you that they would not define our lives, God, that you would give us a new identity in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing deep, 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 deep in the heart where no psychiatrist can reach, where no medicine can reach, where no psychologist can get out. You can do it right now, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Oh, we thank you now, God. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And if the altar workers can join me here at the altar. You know, listen. As Christians, we are saved, but we're not completely whole. And sometimes these offenses and these things that we've suffered or these things that we have done, they become strongholds in our lives, and we need freedom and deliverance. And you're saying, you know what, I realize that, there's a, that this is a problem in my life. Continual offense. I want, I want freedom from that. I don't want to live in continual offense. We want to, I want to grab anointing oil. I want to anoint your life and pray that God will break any stronghold of offense in your life. I'm believing right now for great deliverance. Now, I want you to understand. Are you saying, Pastor, that I have a demon in me or, or that these things are manifest in me? This is what I'm saying is that sometimes these things, these life practices, we've practiced them for so long that spiritually it's a stronghold that keeps us back from developing healthy Christian relationships and a healthy Christian spiritual life. And all of us, all of us at one point or another, we need freedom from strongholds. An offense is one of those things we want to get delivered from. Are you with me? If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I just want prayer. I want to make sure that that's not a reality for me. But you pray for me. The altars are open. The altars are open. We'd love to pray with you. Would you come up at this time? We're going to be here. I want to pray with you. I want to anoint you with oil. I want to believe God for freedom in your life today. So, Father, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for freedom in our lives. We trust you, God. You're a good God. As we forgive, we'll keep our eyes on you and on your great forgiveness toward us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. The altars are open. 